o'clock. Thanks for joining us, Jim, along with Buckeye Boy. And Cake is in this week because Cake did not want to get out of his circadian rhythm. Nope. By, by not coming in early today. I, I, adm- I admire the dedication. I admire the desire to be here, the want to be here. I just love that the day I decide to be here is the day that everything goes wrong. Goes to hell? It breaks. Yeah. Yeah, then there's that. <laughs> but that's it's always not, fun. But that's not how it always is, though. Not always. It's not. No. Flip of a coin, that's maybe. reality! That's what it is. That's reality. That's kind of what it is. Yeah, it is. It's totally reality. Yeah. So we are... Uh, I haven't yeah. learned a thing. We are getting through the morning, which... Mm-hmm. It's, Aren't we all? Uh, yeah, well, today even more so because we're... Um, we're a little uh, technology challenge today. I'm oh, surprised no that we have not. Beer well with surprised us. we haven't got knocked off the air yet because I did get the warning from Are the we IT sure guy. We're on? I hope so. Okay. We'll I'd, find out later. I'd, I'd like to think that we're on right now. Uh, let's see. I'm looking to see if we got any texts this morning. Any any warning nope. texts that say that we're off? Nope. Looks. We yep. haven't got any, hey, you guys are off. But we also haven't got any, yay, you guys are on. So we're kind of right there in the middle. So no thoughts about uh, John Payton not delving into what happened on the sideline with Russ more than, than what he did? Sean Payton didn't want to talk about in their little uh, Zoom presser yesterday. He, uh, he, did, he did say, not at all. You know, as far as there's a problem between the two. Uh, first off, we haven't had a team meeting. Russ and I have a great relationship. No, not at all that there's there's not a problem. Okay. I also found an interesting note yesterday. This not, doesn't really have anything to do with anything, but the Broncos do not let local media on the field before kickoffs for home games. I did not know that. I didn't either. Why? No idea. <laughs> That's it's probably the same reason why they don't do in-person press conferences on Mondays. Which I think is, is Sean Payton wonky. wanting to control the narrative. Somehow he feels that you guys have had way too much free reign to report what goes on. Now I'm not going to allow that. Like you don't get a, you know. You're not allowed to use your left eye at practice or whatever random stupid rules he has. You know, like, you know, you have to, everybody has to wear a left eye patch at practice. Well, I, I believe Cody will have Cody work coming up here in a little bit, and we can talk with Cody about this more. But there's there's been kind of a vibe from Cody that the local media feels like they're, they're, they're kind of dissed by Sean Payton on a pretty regular basis. I feel that's because they are. I was going to say, I, I don't disagree with that I notion. Think, yeah, I think it's it's a feeling that is reality. I feel the local in-country Broncos reporters have not had the depth that they've had in the past. Because they've not had the access. Mm-hmm. And, and it is odd, the, the whole thing with doing the Zoom Monday after. Right. Because in the past, it's always been in person at the facility with whoever, with Nat Hack or 
Ice Pick Vic or, or whoever. They've it, always been they've always been there in person. It feels very much like trying to avoid the tough questions. It's easier to do when you're on a Zoom call. Yeah. And it's not like the local, no offense, it's not like the local Broncos media is peppering him with hard questions to begin with. It's not New York. Right. I mean, nobody, he, nobody challenged him on the Nathaniel Hackett comments, probably because everybody knew he was right, which he turned out to well, be. Well, because anyway. they also, yeah, he did. Turn. But they also knew that they had limited access as it was. It's like we, we already, right. this guy already has a problem with us and we haven't really done anything. This guy and is so, going to ship you off to media Siberia if you accidentally put an E in Peyton. He seems very, very thin-skinned. Like, even just a benign question from Dave Logan about the rust thing, he kind of snapped Because you got to ask that question. Yeah. It's like, come on. You're going you're gonna to criticize Dave Logan? You're going to have a problem? Mm-hmm. When you blew up on the sideline, tell us why you did. Yeah. Why did you do that? And it's not like Dave Logan is out of touch with the idea of what it's like to be a coach on the <laughs> sideline. Yeah, no kidding. The guy's a four-time state championship winning head coach. If anything, that would sort of kind of maybe loosen the the armor a little bit or, or lower yeah. the barrier to you be like, hey, Sean, think. hey, Sean, coach to coach, what happened, yeah. you know? Because here's the exchange. I have it. And earmuffs for the kids, but it's okay for the FCC. I, I, I got to ask you because you're going to get this question when you go to the uh, to the rest of the press. You look like it's from the TV that you're really frustrated with Russ no, on I something. I pissed down. off at the call, but that's part of the deal. Okay. Well, and, and Mike Kliss, I'm not going to play it mm-hmm. because it's not, it's, it'll, it's along those lines. And that was more, I'm glad you had it. Thank you yeah. for playing it. With Kliss, he was more congenial, but it was, I don't have anything else to say about that. And it, this is Mike Kliss, who probably has historically the best access mm-hmm. to anybody. In, uh, of the Broncos front range media folks. And it comes across from Sean Payton as very much the I don't feel you deserve the answer. And so I have nothing to add. Which to Dave Logan, like like Cake pointed out, I mean it's a guy that's I get it. He's not a he's not an NFL coach. He's a high school football coach, but he's a guy that played in the league. He played in the league more than Sean Payton did, and he's and he's very obviously a very successful high school football coach. And there should, you would think there would be some level of respect. Get it? It's not mm-hmm. it's NFL. It's high school. It's not the same thing. But because they they both coach, that there would be some sense of 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 trying to be more agreeable about it than that. And we still don't have an answer of why did he get so mad? Was it a, was it like I said, was he, he was mad about the call, mad about how it went and he had to yell at somebody and you're the quarterback. If you're Russ and you're the guy that takes the heat, right? Because you're, it's your unit. You're, you're the boss of that unit. If you're Russ. And so you're going to take the heat, even though, it wasn't Russ's fault that they didn't score on that on that sequence. No, you know, and for me, it's part of it is there's some positive to be had there that both of them know their relationship and the relationship is in a point to where Sean Payton can just yell at him and it'll be fine going forward. Or 
Like, all right, well, I was frustrated at the at the play. Well, what exactly? Was it the penalty? Was it the fact that you feel the penalty was wrong? You feel targeted? Did Kadarius Tony set everybody up for failure this last weekend? Because almost every single team got called for an offensive offsides at some point. Yeah. Yep. And then, like, is it your inability to punch it in as a coach, an offensive play caller? Is it the point that Jared Goff broke his foot off you know where? Like, what? where was your frustration specifically at that moment? I'm not going to get into it. Like, all right, then. You're just a jerk. And you kind of heard it there with Dave Logan when he, when he goes, okay. Like, like he sounds... Yeah, Dave's like, like he's, all right. I don't... It's going to be a long flight yeah. back. It's so the I'm diffusion a, of, oh, okay. Yeah, Dave's did. like, you know what? I get paid money to do this. Not that much. Yeah. No. <laughs> So it's time to go around the NFL. Up can you? Uh, oh, that would be me. Hold on. That's right. I can't play that holding, right now. Holding. It's okay. The latest on the Broncos and the league. It's around the NFL on the Jim Davis Show. Ah, check. Automation holding yeah. on Zeta. Ten yards. <laughs> no kidding. One step above a Commodore 64. No. Shouldn't, a good craftsman never blames his tools. That's so what it I've is heard. definitely Zeta's <laughs> fault for my shortcomings. So well, let's go back to what happened in the Detroit game. The now infamous Oof. Sean Payton yelling at Russell Wilson on the sideline after Denver's forced to kick a field goal. So they had first and goal from Detroit's nine-yard line. And you guys probably went through a bunch of this yesterday. Well, because we got the Sean Payton explanation from yesterday. Wilson threw incomplete to Cortland Sutton. Second and goal. Wilson hit Jaleel McLaughlin over the middle. Looked like he's going to score a touchdown. Officials ruled him down at the one. Third and goal. Give to Javante Williams. Looked like he broke the plane. Got ruled down for no gain, though. So then they go for it in fourth and goal, which they had to, to get it within a couple of scores. Michael Burton gets the handoff. Looks like he breaks through for he does. He bursts through for a touchdown. But the top of Quinn Miner's helmet, according to the officials, apparently put him off sides, which if you go back and look at it, eh, not really. Um you can't review a penalty. But you could have reviewed the Javante Williams run. You could have thrown the challenge flag on that one. You could have thrown the challenge flag on Jaleel McLaughlin. And Sean Payton did not do that on either one. So, we go back to yesterday, the press conference with Sean Payton. Sean Payton asked about the whole goal line sequence. It's a little long here, but uh, Sean's going to take us through why he didn't challenge. The second down call um, is, the, is the call that has a chance to be reviewed. That's Jaleel's uh, play. And... So, look, do I – yeah, I mean, hindsight, does he get in or not? It's still hard to tell, right? Javante's, I don't – I know I had a good enough angle on that. Um, and so – but we're, we're sitting at the half-yard line, and I'm thinking we, we have a good goal line plan in this game. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, looking at that – and I've never been – I mean, I'm, I'm one to throw a challenge flag and, and burn them and use them. Um, but I didn't feel strong enough that we – that we had crossed the goal line. Uh, it certainly looks close. Um, 
and then my history relative to them changing, you know, the that type of call is, is just been average to at best. Um, the the anger and frustration in that sequence comes from the fourth down call and, and the touchdown, and then what then was you know later called a penalty, and all of a sudden now we're sitting at, you know at fourth and call it six instead of fourth and a half a yard. So um, you know we're trying to get within two scores. It's a you know it's an important sequence relative to the game of trying to climb back in it. You're at, a, you're at a juncture there, though. Or even, okay, number one, I get it. I guess Javante didn't think he was it was close enough. Mm-hmm. And I said that yesterday, that, okay, you know, if it's at this point, this season especially, but at this point with the NFL, do you trust the review process to actually get the call right? No, you can't. You but- can't really. You might as well try. I'm with you there, but also... Like, there's no guarantee that they're going to see it enough to be like to overturn the call on the field. To me, the McLaughlin one though was close enough that you, in that circumstance, you could have thrown the challenge flag mm-hmm. at that juncture. What is that? Okay, I get it. Javante didn't think it was close enough. Okay, fine. But in that one, why not? And then you're at a stage of the game where fourth down and six after the penalty. Isn't it basically you're running the, the white flag up the flagpole by kicking the field goal because you have not stopped them? You, you might, at that point, you might as well. You, you, to me, I would rather them try to go for it in fourth and goal from you know, from the six mm-hmm. than kick a field goal because you, you knew that Detroit was, was probably, unless the defense found a way to force Goff into a mistake, which they had not done. They weren't going to. And they were not. Point. You're going to have to have something hopefully fluky happen a field goal was not going to save your bacon there. Not that a touchdown was going to necessarily either. Right. But it gave you some momentum. And if you do, to me, kicking the field goal is no different than not converting on fourth and goal from the six. It didn't do you any good kicking a field goal. The, the difference, though, I think would be field position. Because if you go for it on fourth and goal and you miss, the mm. net positive is that your, your defense is lining up on on their six and so that puts them in a somewhat better position maybe that gives them something to go off yeah i I mean field position didn't really matter the lions had touchdown drives of 80 yeah they were 81 75 and 75 you had to find a way to try to to not necessarily keep pace with them because you're trying to get to two scores to me kicking a field goal didn't do you any good okay maybe they got they got screwed on the call but at that point, kicking a field goal, what does that do for you? I think to be the devil's advocate here, I think kicking the field goal does kind of help at some point. One, it gets you points. Yeah. And the, and I'm, hear me out. This is not sure. saying my belief, that, but this is where I could see the point in doing it because you're down 21. You need three touchdowns and three extra points to even pull even – if you happen to get a stop somewhere, which yeah. they hadn't shown. But getting the field goal gets you to 18. That's two touchdowns, one two-point conversion, and then a field goal, which is easier than three touchdowns. I don't to think me. it's a horrible decision. I just think at that point in time, you're not stopping them. Right. And you're not you're not going to help your cause that much by kicking a field goal. I think also being down 
three touchdowns going into the fourth quarter against a team you haven't shown to be able to stop is maybe running the white flag of the game. But I disagree with Sean Keeler, and I said this yesterday, that, oh, he quit on the Broncos. No. Stop. No, he didn't quit. No. A guy doesn't scream at his quarterback that's quitting. Right. He's frustrated. He's angry at the result. Whether Russ had anything to do with that or not, to me, I, I, I don't feel like Russ deserved that. He didn't deserve being dressed down like that by no. Sean Payton. But, yeah, yeah, I don't get that he's he's quitting there or anything like that. So uh, more from yesterday's presser, Sean Payton on leaning on the Broncos' leadership because they, they've got to run the table now. There There is no more. There, there is zero margin for error starting with New England coming up on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, look, I think we've got good leadership in that locker room. We've got experienced players. And, and you know, I said to him after the game, I said, look, this, this is a tough loss. Um, you know, they never taste well. This one will go down. But the key for us is is to get rested and and get ready for, you know, these, these final three weeks, really, really starting with this week versus New England. Um, you know, you can't lose that game twice. You lost it once. And, uh, and we all did collectively. You know, we all uh, could have been better, and, and, and we weren't. And so let's move forward. I, I think I think the, the leadership and the experience in, in this locker room uh, we've leaned on, we'll lean on again, and I think it'll serve us well. All right, so Sean Payton and the Broncos take on Bill Belichick and uh, the three-win New England Patriots, who did play the Chiefs tough for a while on Sunday before Kansas City pulled away for the victory. Here's Sean Payton on facing a Belichick defense. You know, super fun, emotional win, emotional game. that's not him. Here we go. Here's Sean Payton on facing Bill Belichick. Well, I mean, we kind of just saw it a little bit in Aaron Glenn and those guys in Detroit did a good job. There were a number of snaps where they were going to, you know, double Cortland. Um, And so over the years, and we've had a number of games, uh, I can recall one game in New England with Jimmy Graham where, you know, Khalid, you know, went wherever Jimmy went and, and really did a good job shutting them down. It really forced us to, to find, you know, other receivers. And, and it's one of the things that Bill historically has done very well. You know, he, he's going to he's gonna try to loot your strengths. And, and, and I think that's what good defensive coaches, coaching is, you know, trying to, um, trying to, to force you to do things maybe you don't do as well. And you can bet $1,000 that Bill Belichick will do everything he can to keep Cortland Sutton, like Aaron Glenn did, yeah, out of out of being a, a factor in the game. Mm-hmm. No doubt about that. All right, uh, this is from Josie Jewell. I think Denver Bay is a little, a little fatigued, a little tired going to the Motor City, and, and that played a role in Denver uh, having a lackluster performance. So hard to tell. Um, you know, since it was a night game, uh, it's tough. And, I mean, it gets later in the season. Uh, you know, people are more tired and stuff like that. And I think Coach has done a great job with the scheduling so far. Um, and, uh, I mean, we're just going to keep on following. Whatever he says to do, we're going to, you know, keep on doing. So, I don't know exactly if that played a role in it. Uh, they were a good football team. They outplayed us. Um, maybe some people were tired. I don't know. Of course, Josie Jewell going through the whole guns thing, the sack celebration where he got fined by the league and then they didn't find him and then they were going to find him again and all that whole thing that's going on. No fun league strikes again. And um, so finally got some Monday night football. 
last night. Uh, Drew Locke, former Broncos quarterback, guiding the Seattle Seahawks to the victory last night, 20-17. to So Geno Smith out with the injury, and uh, Locke steps in. 208 yards and a touchdown last night. A, a beautiful pass. Give him credit. Great throw to Jackson Smith Najigba for the touchdown. And here's uh, Najigba talking about uh, coming up with a big catch last night, that win against Philadelphia. You know, super fun, emotional win, emotional game. Um, great team win. Drew Locke stepped up. And, yeah, on that play, you know, I knew if we had man coverage, it was coming to me. So, you know, just thankful I, you know, was able to make the play. All right, so uh, the Seahawks moved to 7-7. Seven and seven. Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts, two interceptions. He also rushed for two touchdowns last night. Philly, they slipped to 10-4 and four with the loss last night. All right, 821. We've got Cody York coming up in just a moment. Uh, we had a caller. Uh, Andy was going to ask if Russell Wilson firing off plays earlier in the play clock on that sequence at the goal line did not give the team enough time to review the possibility maybe. of review. Maybe. Sorry, Andy, you couldn't hold on. Yeah, I don't know. That that could very well be the case, and that could be the thing that was making Sean Payton extremely upset and yelling at his quarterback. Point. If it is, then. If it is. But you still yeah. also don't, you know, pants your quarterback in public. Yeah, like you don't need to to probably handle that the way Sean Payton did. All right, uh, Cody Orr coming up in just a moment. Um, brought to you by Gallagher's Flooring and Modern Classic Motors. It's time for Triple Play Records Stadium Cinema. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and a Happy Hanukkah. From the Grand Valley to Rifle, Delta to Montrose, this is the Jim Davis Show. Talking Broncos with Mile High Sports' Cody Rourke on the Jim Davis Show. Covers the Broncos for the Lockdown Broncos podcast, Mile High Sports as well. Cody Rourke joins us, our Broncos insider. Good morning, Cody. How are you? I'm good, Jim. How are you doing today? It's doing fine. I'm doing fine. Let's uh, Let's start out with the... The exchange on the sideline from Saturday with uh, John Payton and Russell Wilson. John Payton really hasn't uh, given us much insight into that. Didn't really want to talk about it. So the relationship's fine with him and Russ. Certainly didn't look like it was fine on Saturday night after they were forced to ultimately kick a field goal against the Lions in that loss. What's your takeaway from that exchange between Russell Wilson and, well, Russ mostly just standing there and taking uh, the brunt of that exchange from Sean Payton? Well, you know, I don't think it's, honestly, I don't think it's too much of a big deal. It's, it's football. I mean, it happens to more guys than just Russ around the NFL. Uh, I mean, it was just unfortunate. It was in prime time. Everybody saw it, and everyone was wondering, you know, what what was being said. That was obviously a drive that was very frustrating for Denver to try to figure out, you know, what they were going to do. And, you know, there were a couple of scoring opportunities they missed out on. And I just think overall there was just uh, just some frustration, and that was a frustrating evening for everybody uh, on that sideline considering how things were going for the Broncos from start to finish in that game. Um, you know, I think anyone who's ever played, you know, or coached, like, you, you, I mean, there's times where, I, you know, you get chewed out like that. Even Dave Logan was talking about that um, yesterday where, you know, sometimes you get chewed out to where you don't know, you know, you know if uh, – I mean, I think what I'm trying to say is, is, like, it happens. Like, it's in the business. You can't take it personal. Russ wants to be coached hard, and Sean Payton uh, is a fiery guy, very heat of the, you know, heat of the moment, emotional type of guy, and uh, I'm sure things are good between them. But, I, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't read too much into it. Why do you think, was it more just that, that Sean was upset 
that they ultimately had to kick the field goal, that they were not able to punch it in. The way the game was going was it that he felt like Russ was did something during that sequence that 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 obviously upset Sean Payton. What do you feel like that the the real reason why was that Sean Payton was as angry as he was, and particularly you know directing it in in, uh, in the in the direction of his quarterback? Well, you know, to be honest with you, I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think it has more so to do with the Broncos having to burn a timeout on that drive a little bit earlier, and then. The dilemma was, you know, if you challenge it, the Jaleel McLaughlin one, I mean, it's it's tough, right, because you have to have enough evidence to overturn, right? And I'm not sure by the angles in which we saw, you know, based on how the officiating was going in that game, uh, if that would have happened, then that could have cost Denver another timeout. So I think that's really maybe why it happened, because they had to burn a timeout on that drive a little bit early on. Um, I mean, outside of that, there's really no other indication outside of just Peyton being mad that the officials called, uh, you know, offsides on Quinn Miners, which was definitely an odd call. Cody Rourke, My Life Sports, Locked on Broncos podcast, our Broncos insider with us. Uh, it just looked like there was there was no way Denver could could slow down Detroit. Their speed, both with the running backs, with, with Gibbs, Montgomery, uh, Brown, and, and that receiving core, and obviously Laporta as well from the tight end standpoint. It just looked like, I know Vance ran a lot of zone coverage in that game, but it just seemed like that Denver speed-wise could not match up with the with the Lions and what they had with their skill position guys. Yeah, no, they were I you know, I don't know what happened in this game. I mean, Denver their first three drives defensively, they did a really good job because one of them, you know, Detroit returned a fumble almost all the way for a touchdown and then Denver ended up bouncing them out of field goal range there. First three possessions were really good and then all of a sudden they you know, Detroit started getting some momentum. And and look, I think a lot of it was momentum. You know, what they did in the run game against Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery didn't have a lot of gap integrity, as Sean Payton called it yesterday. And, you know, they they split the seams a little bit, and those guys are explosive. And so when they started to carve up Denver in that area, then in passing situations, Denver couldn't get any pressure on Jared Goff, and that allowed him to have time to really just carve them up. I mean, 200-something yards and five touchdown passes, pretty dang efficient evening for uh, for Goff, who didn't see a lot of contact, didn't see a lot of pressure on the evening. Denver got carved up a little bit in the intermediate. As Sean Payton said, you know, they had to bring it down safety to, in order to try to blitz effectively, and the blitz just didn't get home. The coverage wasn't there. And I also think another thing, Denver just, they took poor angles in the tackling game. They didn't tackle that well, a lot of missed tackles, a lot of being out of position. Uh, and, that, and that was a definitely a frustrating thing, and, and they just had no answers. I mean, I, you know, the offense goes up and they score on their first possession of the second half, and all of a sudden it's okay, it's 21-7. You know, defense, if they can buckle down here, things will be good. Nope, they got gashed 28-7, and that felt like a dagger essentially. You know, I, and I tweeted this out earlier. Denver being down 14 nothing felt like a death sentence for them early on in that game because the offense really couldn't do anything. And then when the defense is struggling at the rate in which they are and they're not getting turnovers or takeaways, it's not a recipe for success, and it was a disaster for them, obviously, in Saturday's game. Cody Rourke, our Broncos insider, joining us today on uh, the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. And Aaron Glenn certainly was the defensive coordinator of the Lions, determined to make sure Cortland Sutton was not going to have his normal big impact. And where, where Jerry Judy was able to, to make some plays and, and certainly helped to to pick up some of the slack there in, in one of Jerry's better games of the season. And and I know that um, yesterday Sean Payton talked about Bill Belichick trying to do that to, to uh, Sean when he was in New Orleans with uh, with Jimmy Graham and with Aqib Tlaib, who was a member, of course, of the Patriots that time. 
being put in that that situation to to really limit Jimmy Graham. That once again, you're going to have a, a, a guy in Bill Belichick, defensive uh, mastermind. Even though they're a three win football team, this defense is still the it, it's eighth in total defense. Uh, we'll talk more about the Patriots Thursday, but this has to be a little bit of a concern because Aaron Glenn, obviously a guy that uh, has learned a lot from um, from Bill Belichick in his career, that you could see more of this coming up Sunday night when the Broncos take on the Patriots. Yeah, no, and, and I expect it too. And, and this is the, the this is the challenge for Denver's offense. You know, they're they're not able to run the ball. They didn't run the ball well against Detroit. Uh, you know, it's hard to run against the Patriots. The Patriots held. The Chiefs, I think, to, if I'm not mistaken, 60-something yards or 40-something yards, and really Clyde Edwards-Alaire had 37 yards, and his biggest run of the day was 20, and he had 13 carries. So, uh, you know, they made it very hard for him. They made it hard for the Chiefs to run the football, who won by, you know, two scores in, in that game that they had played there. Obviously, they were able to generate a couple of takeaways off Patrick Mahomes for some fumbles and sack him a couple of times. Denver's offense, though, Jim, you know, this is where if they take away Cortland Sutton, they are so one-dimensional because, I mean, Jim, they don't have an intermediate passing game. They don't attack, you know, in the five- to seven-yard threshold. They don't attack slants, drags, curls, hitches, digs. They don't attack the middle of the field. They simply don't. That's not part of their elements. Either they're going to throw it deep or they're going to throw it behind the line of scrimmage and try to get yards after the catch. And it's at this point, and we saw in Saturday's game against the Lions, if you hope to be a playoff team, that isn't going to get it done. That makes it easier for your opponent, and Detroit capitalized on that. They sent pressure. They even blitzed from the field side versus the boundary. And that, to me, I think signifies that Denver is going to have some interesting choices coming up here. And, look, obviously I think Russ has played well this year. But if they don't have an intermediate passing game, they're not going to have success long-term, especially you know, in games where the defense isn't able to generate a takeaway. You have to be able to throw an attack the middle of the field, and they have not been able to do that. Um, the Patriots are going to try to replicate that game plan, and their defense is very good. And I'm very, uh, very concerned about this weekend's game, to be honest with you, Jim. We're talking with Mile High Sports. It's Cody Rourke on the Jim Davis Show. Cody, kind of following up on that, do you think Denver not attacking the middle of the field on some of those concepts, do you think that's a Russell Wilson limitation, or is that a Sean Payton scheme or is it maybe a little bit of both yeah no i think so i think it i think it's part of you know a little bit of both there look obviously russ isn't the tallest quarterback I and mean, when you can't see past the line over the line of scrimmage uh that's obviously an issue because people will bat your passes down i think when russ has tried to go to the middle of the field at times this season or even in training camp we would see passes batted down at the line of scrimmage and so that's you know that's the unfortunate deficiency about him being a shorter quarterback you know, and when those off structure, when he's not able to roll around and do the things that he does, I mean, Denver's offense, they struggle. And that's not necessarily just a byproduct of him. That's just the situation. Denver is, teams are, teams understand what Denver is good at, and they try to get them into those situations, and then they try to take it away. So, for example, if they want to try to get Russell Wilson to roll to his right to throw, they're going to send pressure from the left side. And they're also going to send upfield pressure from, uh, you know, the, the offensive right side to be able to try to, you know, force him into a pocket, force him to step up and try to throw. It's just not consistent enough for where Denver is in, in order to be a successful offense, especially if the run game is not working. If that goes away for Denver, they're they're completely in trouble. And that, I think, speaks to bigger issues that they're going to have to address here in the offseason. All right. We'll talk more about the Broncos and the Patriots uh, coming up on Thursday. Don't forget to uh, check out Cody's report at 420 today right here on the Team Sports Network and, of course, with us on Thursday morning and then uh, 
and Thursday afternoon as well. Cody, appreciate it. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you coming up uh, on Thursday. Appreciate you guys. Have a good one. Go Tigers. All right. Cody Rourke, My Life Sports Locked on Broncos podcast with us in the program today. All right, uh, we'll have pole dancing coming up in just a moment. Top five NFL, top five NBA, and our top five favorite Christmas movies. But right now, we need to dive into a little uh, four-down territory this morning. We're into four-down territory on the Jim Davis Show on the team. All right, start out with first down. Sad about this. This week, the final episode of HBO's Real Sports airs. It'll be a 90-minute show that uh, actually uh, airs tonight, by the way, if you have Max or HBO. 29 seasons and a ton of Emmys for Brian Gumble and, and the people on uh, Real Sports. And a lot of random notes that nobody knows what he's writing. Yeah. I, <laughs> but he's always got something he's writing down. Mm-hmm. I need to pick up avocados on the way home. But so many really good people. Mary Carrillo on that show. Um, it's, and the, the stories that they've covered over the years. Concussions in sports. Children forced to be jockeys for camel races in the Middle East. Uh, labor abuses that went, they were going in Qatar on the, for the World Cup. A, a ton of great stories that I, I just, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss uh, HBO's Real Sports. But uh, I know Brian Gumbel decided that as his contract ended this this coming year that this is going to be it for him with the show but uh, the final episode airs tonight if you uh, love hbo's real sports all right um, second down i was going to play this earlier but didn't get a chance to do it it's true lock true lock after the win last night of course quarterback in the seattle seahawks one-time denver bronco quarterback you mentioned a much more humble Drew Locke. Here's Drew Locke after the game last night. Amazing won't do it justice. Amazing won't do it justice, but amazing also doesn't do justice with the O-line, what DK did on that catch, what the receivers did, what Ken Walker, Zach Charbonnet did all game long, the tight ends, man. It takes a special group to rally around a guy that, you know, has come into his second game of the year, right? Used to the same thing all year long, same cadence, same spin of the ball, everything. A team like that, not just the offense, the defense to rally around me tonight, man, that was that was amazing. I see some I hear some emotion in your voice. Yeah. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Um, I'm just blessed. I'm just blessed. Blessed with a great group of guys, a great city, great coaching staff. It's just it's, it's awesome. It's Sometimes you have to get knocked in your butt. Yeah. To kind of grow up and learn. And I think that's what's happened to Drew Locke. And I wish him nothing but the best. I, I do. I don't dislike Drew Locke. Come on, Buzz Lightyear. That whole thing was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. But there are times you're just like, jeez. Just it was like he didn't get that he was that he had not progressed the way they needed him to. Some of that was on him. Some of that mm-hmm. was multiple of what three or so different yeah. offensive coordinators. Happy for him, though. I'm, I'm happy for Absolutely. Drew Locke to go out and, and get it done for them last night. And the savior may still come back to town. You know, he's going to be yeah. a free agent sooner rather than later. Uh, I don't know. And I don't know about just that. chomping at the bit to have the savior. He can fix all the Broncos' ills if you just check in on Broncos' Twitter last night. That's stupid. Yeah. No, it's not. It's He's not going to fix all their ills. 
He don't know that till you bring him back. You know, and yeah. maybe maybe he does. I don't know. Yeah, but but the guy that they traded to Seattle mm-hmm. was not was not the guy we saw last night. Hey, he's it's not the worst a- number three to wear a Broncos jersey. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just needling now. It's so much fun. You're poking <laughs> the bear there. Yeah. Really, man? Come on. Really? Yeah. I bear sleeping, though. It's December. Um, <laughs> third down, the awful announcing Offleys, their awards, which are weirdly named because they're for the best things, but they're the Offleys, have the best sports talk show is? Do you know? Do you ter- care the, to take a guess? The Jim Davis show. No. no we sadly didn't no. make the ballot, mainly because they heard the production right. issues on this show this morning, and they said, no, Dan Patrick... This is the best sports show. Hey. Which is uh, one, one, of our, today. one of our properties, absolutely. And uh, fourth down, they have the best sports radio personality was the tie between a really good one in Rich Eisen, also yeah. one of our properties, and a really bad uh, one. Chris Russo. Chris Russo. I thought he was going to retire. On that note, I'm going, I'm going to retire on that note. I'm the greatest sports talk personality of all time. And that brings up fifth down. We're going CU Missouri here. They had their best moment. Cake's going to get his shot here, too. Anyway, they had their best moment as Russo retiring if the Diamondbacks won that game. Can it be the best moment if it didn't actually happen? Mm. He didn't retire. Yeah, he didn't. He literally did the show the next day. He did not retire. So can it be the best moment? Like, the best yeah. moment is this guy claiming to eat a shoe if blah, 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 and then he never eats the shoe. It's just a well-done piece of steak, which is kind of like a shoe. But does it, can it be the best moment if nothing happened? No, anyway. it cannot be. All right. I was just wondering. Cake? Uh, from Zach Stevens and DNVR, the Denver Broncos have an 80, 80% chance of making the playoffs if they win out per the New York Times playoff simulator. So, win out Broncos, you have still just an 80% chance, which is not zero, but it's not 100. Yeah, that's not nothing. I mean, it's a hell of a lot closer to 100 than zero. This is also true. But we saw in the toast, the famous Toastery Bowl yesterday, Old Dominion at one point had a 99% chance of winning the game in the third quarter. And then Western Kentucky said no thank you they did so you just until they be, didn't you just got to be the western kentucky mindset then we're not out until january 8th or 7th or whatever there you go there's traffic though they're the 11 seed right now all right that's do you have another do you have, nope, you have one I'm more good. you're good uh, okay. six we, downs. <laughs> we picked up a first down somewhere along the way and we got it's to like go um Half Canadian Football League, half NFL. Yeah. A little, uh, little bonus uh, downs there. little CU Missouri in there as yeah, well. But, uh, with an additional yeah. down. And a first down. We picked up yeah. a first down. Somewhere. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back. And up next, it's pole dancing. Top five NFL, top five NBA, and our top five favorite Christmas movies. That's coming up next on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Craptastic. Not just crap. The team presents The Jim Davis Show On Colorado's sports leader The team We got it together, didn't we? Alright, coming to the stage It's Amber Remember everybody, $14 Kamikaze Let me ask you a question 
Do I make you horny, baby? Do I? I mean, really, when you really sit and think about it, isn't it really, really nice? Get those dollar bills out. It's time for pole dancing. I can easily feel myself. All right, so it's top five NFL, top five NBA, and our top five favorite Christmas movies. It can be a TV show, too, like Rudolph or Charlie Brown Christmas or something like that. All right. So we ready to get get some music to go into this? Maybe some maybe maybe a little holiday tune for us, perhaps? Maybe? Uh let me see if I can find something holiday-ish. That'd be lovely if you could. Can it set the mood? Uh I got I got a little quick one here to help me find some more. Okay. That'll work. All right, so let's uh let's start out with uh, of course the NFL. We'll each do our, our number five. I'm going to go with the Lions. I get it that the Denver, they're a little bit of a box of chocolate kind of football team. Don't know what you're going to get sometimes. But Detroit went out and handled a team that had been playing really well. Five-game winning streak prior to the loss to the Texans. Then they go into uh, win their first road game in the AFC West in quite a while when they went to uh, L.A. and beat the Chargers. And they get the Chargers are, well, not that great after firing Brandon Staley and and Tom Telesco, their GM. But the Lions, I have them as my number 10 team this week. Okay? Uh, I have the Joe Flacco-powered Cleveland Browns as my number five team. Fourth starting quarterback to win a game this year for the Browns. That's insane. Normally in a Brown season, you go through four different starting quarterbacks. They don't. And none of them wins. It's, yeah, sad truth. I have uh, Uncle Rico's Indianapolis Colts as my number five team, a team that. That's not bad. Dis- I can throw a football over the mountain. Despite it all, somehow still managing to win games, and I've got them at number five. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Joe Flacco, it wasn't great, and then he was great, right? Mm-hmm. It was kind of how that game went. Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at the Joe Flacco numbers. I mean, he, fortunately, that, that fourth quarter rally, 10-point deficit to get the three-point win. Three interceptions, fumbled once. He he went from having one of the worst days mm-hmm. to, to help. 11 of 13 <laughs> and two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. That just, that just doesn't happen very yeah, often. Scoreboard. Uh, another guy can you know, put in maybe did not have a great game, but they still found a way to get it done. And that'd be one Patrick Mahomes. I've got the Kansas City Chiefs as my number four team right now. That uh, Mahomes' numbers weren't great against um, against the New York Jets. Did have two touchdowns, but he also had two interceptions. It wasn't a wasn't a horrible game. wasn't a brilliant game, but the Chiefs, thanks to their defense, they they get it done. And then the offense made obviously enough big plays against a pretty decent Patriots defense. So I have Kansas City as my number four team. I have neither team from the Super Bowl in my top five. I have the Miami Dolphins as the number four team. Tyreek, who? Out with the injury? His MVP completely ruins his MVP candidacy. It is. uh, It hurts his his bid for 2,000 yards. That too. Doesn't help. I have uh, the Cincinnati Bengals at number four. Jake Browning has been playing well above expectation level, and the Bengals are fighting, finding ways to win. 
Absolutely. Yep, totally agree with you on that. Though I don't have Cincinnati in my top five, but I do have Miami as my number three team mm-hmm. right now. Uh, I have the Detroit, our Detroit Lions, our fighting Dan Campbell knee-biting Lions as my number three team. I have the Miami Dolphins at number three as well. Number two, I've got the Baltimore Ravens. Same. Same. And then number one, Niners? Yeah. Niners. Round, of, round of Niners for everybody? Yep. yep. Okay, NBA. I'm just going to go through my top five here. Oklahoma City, Denver, Philadelphia, Minnesota, Boston. Ooh, I don't have Minnesota. Or no, I do have Minnesota in my top five. I have uh, Denver, number five team right now. Oklahoma City, Minnesota, Boston. And Boston. I think Boston. the Greek freak in Dame time, best team in the NBA right now. Not record-wise, but they are the best team, I think. I have 76ers, Bucks, Timberwolves, Nuggets, Celtics. Ooh, intrigue. All right, so our top five Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. Let's go through five through one for me. Nightmare Before Christmas. It's a fun Tim Burton film. Yeah. Muppets Christmas Carol. Classic. With Michael Caine. Charlie Brown Christmas. Christmas Carol with Alistair Pym. It's an old, like, 40s take on Christmas Carol. We love it in our house. And Christmas Story, number one for me. I have... No Christmas Vacation. I watched it a while back. Funny parts. Maybe hasn't aged well. I don't know. I also like The Man Who Invented Christmas about Charles Dickens. I have Lethal Weapon as my number five. Of course you do. Christmas movie. Of course you do. Ernest Saves Christmas as my number four Christmas movie. Uh, Die Hard, A Christmas Story, and Christmas Vacation. I have Christmas Story, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas, the original 1994 Tim Allen Santa Claus, the very first one. Okay. Uh, there was a TV, made for TV, Patrick Stewart Christmas Carol, where he is Ebenezer Scrooge. And number one for me is The Muppet Christmas Carol. It's That's a go-to. And it's oddly accurate to the Charles Dickens novel in a way that you wouldn't think The Muppets would be. All right. But none of us Violent Night. No. No. None of us Silent Night. Mm -hmm. Joel Kinnaman movie. No. Ernest Saves Christmas. Was that the one that you thought we were going to make fun of you for? Yes. That's okay. little side eye. It's Christmas, man. I'm not going to do that. So. No, I'm not going to do that at all. It's a very good movie for the kid in me when I was growing up. Fair enough. Yeah. I almost put Rudolph on here. Bumble's bounce. And I could. I could very well put Rudolph on here. But I do Ernest me... Saves Christmas is on Disney Plus? <laughs> know what I'm doing. Say today. it isn't so. Yeah, baby. Let's Finally, go. Finally, that $10 is worth something. No, I don't have to watch this, do I? Oh, oh, she got the Christmas vacation. It started over when we were watching it the other day. She's like, again? Again? Like, we have to watch it. We just saw this. All right, here's a bowl game. 